Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Uh, an extra hour of sleep. It didn't make much difference for me. <laughs> I was cooking late last night, so it didn't make much difference for me. I was like, uh, I defrosted some chicken. I better cook it before it goes bad. So, um, but it was, it's, it's great. It's great. We see the sun. It's cold out there. We see the sun. It's a, it's a good day. It's a, it's, it's, it's the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord, we gotta rejoice. We gotta be glad. Because we're together. We're together worshiping God. Um, so glad to see, uh, Samuel and Amy back with the family. Uh, it's, uh, it's a blessing to have you guys back. Um, we are at the end of the book of James. Finally got to the end. Finally got, after 18 weeks. After 18 weeks, got to the book of James. Uh, be, before we, before we begin, I just want to, uh, emphasize once again, Tim, Tim, Tim already, uh, mentioned to you guys about the Thanksgiving dinner. D don't forget the dinner is a bilingual dinner, so whether you have, um, neighbors that are uh, Spanish speakers or English speakers, you know, it doesn't matter who they are. Invite them over. We want to have them over. We want to welcome them and we want to share with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, uh, remember that that day there is no service on Sunday morning. There is no service on Sunday morning. So I just, I just, I will never get tired of overemphasizing stuff like that because uh, sometimes we forget we easily forget and uh, it's the day of prayer for the persecuted church uh, we we don't experience much persecution the way other people does it around the world uh, but it's the day of, uh, you know it's the day for us to be praying for them so we are going to be praying for them I want to ask you guys to bow your heads right now and let's pray for the church around the world especially for those churches that are being persecuted uh, in these times. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, we, we, we thank You so much, Lord, for the freedom that You have allowed us to have in this country. That we're able to preach. We're able to take a stand for what we believe. So many other people, so many churches, so many other Christians around the world, they don't have the freedom that we have. And so we just, we just thank you, Lord, for the privilege. We are privileged. And we are blessed with the freedom that you have allowed us to have. To preach the word, to pray together, to gather together every week, Lord, day, day in, day out. We can gather every single day if we want to. It's just, we, we are blessed. But we want to pray for those who are being persecuted. For those Christians in, in, in countries that your word is not allowed to be preached freely. We want to pray for those missionaries who are risking their lives to go to these different places and to be able to be part of, of your great commission. We want to put them in your hands, Lord. We want to pray for them. We, want, we, we don't want to forget about what they're going through. Just like the church in Jerusalem was being persecuted when James wrote to them. And so we want to ask you, Lord, bless them. Give them the strength. Protect them. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, So we're also, uh, before I start, we, we're also happy to announce that the Elder Board approved our soon-to-be our new children's ministry director. We have a person. We have a person. We're gonna uh, we're gonna be working with this person, and uh, next week uh, some of the elders are gonna get to meet her, and uh, and then we're gonna be. Uh, you know, we're going to be putting together uh, a meeting with the uh, Sunday school teachers also. So the Sunday school teachers have a chance to, uh, to talk with her and to uh, go over some of the important stuff that they need to go over as uh, the new children's director get here. So it's, it's good stuff, good stuff. And Pastor Roy, I thought Pastor Roy was going to be riding that bike that he put over there on the, on the picture. But I think, that, I think the bike was too small for him. Uh, it's amazing how they had all these bikes parked over there, and, and uh, he was enjoying, he was enjoying that time. Um, we are in our last message in the book of James. 
this morning we are going to start the end from the beginning. Yeah, we're going to start the end from the beginning. In other words, uh, to start this morning, this last message in the book of James, um, we are going to go back to chapter 1, verse 1. And then we're going to go back to... Uh, and you have it all in your outlines there. You have all, the whole text. You have it in your outlines. It's the very first page in your outlines. The front page, you have all the verses there. So that way, uh, we can we can move uh, a little quicker. We can move along. And, uh, you know, the sermon can flow this morning. But this morning, I want to start in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 1. Let's open up our Bibles in that book. Chapter 1, verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles, then the, the, the projection is going to come up and the verses are going to come up there. Uh, the reason, I, I want to remind us, the reason we put these verses there is not for you not to bring your Bibles. Okay, We want you to bring your Bibles. Make sure of that. We want you to bring your Bibles. We want you to learn how to use your Bibles. But a lot of times we put these verses there in case we have visitors and they don't know how to use their Bibles. We want them to be able to see the verses. We want them to see the Scripture, what Scripture says. So you, as a, as a believer, as a mature believer, you should bring your Bible, have your Bible, and a lot of times, unless you don't have enough time to go over to those texts that we're reading over, uh, then maybe you can just look at that. But uh, I, hope, I hope that you understand how precious and how important it is for you to get to know your Bible, to read the Scriptures. So James... Both, uh, we, we're going to start the end from the beginning. James, when he began this letter, he wrote to believers that were being persecuted. And he said, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. It is important for us to remember this, because, because the Christians that James was writing to, they were running away from Jerusalem... As a result of persecution, talking about the day of prayer for persecuted church, right? They were running away from Jerusalem because of persecution. So, when we understand, when we read what chapter 5, verse 7, that's where we're going to start today. That's where we're going to start the last sermon. When we read verse 7 of chapter 5, we're going to realize how important it is to remember that they were being persecuted. That they were, running away, uh, they were running away, they were trying to protect their families. They were Jewish Christians who, have, who were going through a lot of stuff. Their faith had been put through the test. Their faith had been put through the test. It was a test after test. It was a trial after trial to see if their faith was real, if their faith was saving faith or it was fake. What was real? You know, what kind of faith did they have? So they go trial, uh, test after test. They went through temptations. They went through trials. And James had an answer. James had, a, had something to teach them about, about trials, about temptations. Uh, they went to uh, a church. They were going to church where they were arriving to different cities. They were arriving because they were running away from Jerusalem. They arrived to different cities. And as they arrived to these different cities, they were going to church and they were not being treated right. We saw in chapter 2, they were being treated like a second or third class citizens. There were some that didn't have enough food, according to chapter 2, verse 14, and uh, all the way through verse 20. Uh, some of them didn't have enough food because they were poor. They had left or be, or, or all of their belongings and, and their properties and everything. They had left them behind. So they were, uh, you know, they were, they, they didn't have enough of the, the things that they needed at that moment. So instead of people to provide for them, because they, they, you know, they were claiming to be Christians, they were claiming to have faith, instead of acting on it and providing for these believers who were in need, they would just tell them, you know what, uh, it's good to know your prayer petition, it's good to know that you're going through that so we can pray. So we're gonna pray, go and be well. And they did not help these Christians that were going through a lot of trials, a lot of different temptations. And temptations, you know, trials were turning into temptations. So because of all the sufferings, they were also having trouble with their relationships. And we see that in chapter 3. They were talking bad about one another. And in chapter 4, they were fighting with one another. They were going at each other. They were fighting quarrels, wars. 
they were just they, they were just having a lot of a lot of personal problems in the church, in their families, in their community. They were fighting with each other because of all the trials, all the temptations, all the troubles, all the adversities they were going through. So we know that because they were running away. They were running away according to chapter uh, 1 verse, verse 1. They were scattered among the nations. So they had lost everything. They were trying to find a solution to their economic problems by going from one city to city. And they were going to, from city to city without asking God. Is this your will, Lord? Should we do this? Should we not do this? Instead of asking God for guidance, instead of praying for guidance, they were just, they were just making a move. They were just taking, making decisions without taking God in consideration. They were trying to find solutions to their problems. And James tells them that you guys are going the wrong way by doing this the way you guys are doing it. You guys need to ask God if God wills, if the Lord wills, and put in God's hands every plan that you are making in your life. Then we got to chapter 5 last week, and some of them had found jobs. But the, the, the fact that they had found jobs, it was a good thing. But some of the people who were hiring these Christians, because they were coming from all over the place, Maybe, maybe, maybe there were reasons why in, in those cities where they were arriving, they didn't want to pay them. You know, and when, when somebody works, they deserve to be paid. And they weren't getting paid. And we saw that last week. We saw that in detail last week. So after all this, they were going through. James finally gets to chapter 5, verse 7 through 20. And he tells them, Despite of the fact that you guys are going through all this stuff, despite of the fact that you guys are going through a lot of suffering, a lot of adversities, and some of the trials were turning into temptations because they were trying to cut corners. They were trying to do things in a different way because they were trying to not suffer as much as they were suffering. Then James tells them, be patient. When you're going through trials or temptations, when you're going through adversities, when you're going through troubles in your life, when you're having problems with other people, when you're having problems in your own family, is that what you really want to hear? Be patient. Most of us, is the last thing we want to hear. I already know I need to be patient. Most of us don't want to hear, be patient. But that's exactly what James tells them in chapter 5 verse 7. And that's he's going to finish the book. He's going to finish the book by telling them exactly what are the things, despite of all of these troubles, adversities, trials, temptations, uh, you know, fightings with people, despite of all that, this is what you should be doing until the Lord comes. And he tells them three different things. And one of those three, three things that he tells them is, be patient. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Now, would you be able to be patient if you were going through all of this? I don't know. I don't think I could. I think I'll have a hard time. And, and a lot of times, we as pastors, uh, sometimes we preach in a way that we pretend that we got it all. We got it all down, right? We, 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 we're, we're so good. We're so good. No, we're not. Would I be patient if I was going through all this stuff? I would try. I would do my best. It doesn't mean I would, I would have a success at being patient. But put yourself for a minute in their shoes. Since we're finishing this book, it's important that we put ourselves in their shoes. How do you, how, how do you think they were feeling at that time? Mentally. You lose everything. You lose your house. You gotta run away from Norwalk. You gotta run away to other cities. You gotta run away to cities that actually allow you to worship. Because in, 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 in California, they're doing persecution. We gotta leave everything behind. We gotta run right away before they kill us and kill our kids. But we're gonna lose our jobs. Let, let's imagine if that was happening here in California. What, what would that, what would do, what, what would that do to you mentally? It would be an amazing amount of stress. Not just mentally. What would that do to you emotionally? You would probably get anxiety. You would probably get depressed. 
So I can imagine what these Christians were going through. All we talk about sometimes is, oh, they were going through trials and persecutions, so then we move on. No, let's put ourselves in their shoes. Let's put ourselves in, how were they feeling mentally, emotionally, but above all, let's, let's, let's see, how, would they, how, how do you think they were feeling spiritually? They were not probably encouraged at that moment, they were probably discouraged. We are serving God, and as we are serving God, instead of seeing things getting better, as some preachers uh, preach a false, uh, false gospel when they say that if you give your life to Christ, everything's going to be good and dandy, right? And it's not true. They lie to you. The Bible says that with, with the privilege of salvation also comes persecution. If you are going to be faithful for the Lord, you are going to have some troubles. You are going to have some persecution. You will experience some of that in your life in different levels of persecution. But you will experience, if you are faithful, you will experience some adversities. So imagine how they were feeling mentally, emotionally, spiritually. They were probably discouraged. And so James now tells them, I know you're probably stressed, you're probably depressed, you probably have anxiety with all this stuff. You probably are discouraged, but be patient, he says. James, really? Do I need to be patient through all this? I just want to find a solution to all this stuff. And he says, no brothers and sisters. Be patient until the Lord's coming. So when is the Lord going to come? But when the Lord comes, it's none of your business. Be patient, he tells him. Did James know what he was talking about? When he was talking about persecution? When he was talking about being patient? You know that he wrote this letter around year, maybe around year 50, 52. After Christ. And then he got killed between year 62 and 69 after Christ. You know how, you know, the, the, this, is, this is what tradition Josephus says in, the, in his uh, history books. That James was being always, he was always being persecuted. He was always being chased and followed by Jewish leaders. Who, didn't, who did not enjoy or like at all that he was preaching the gospel. Tradition says that James was taken up to the pinnacle of the temple And he was throwing down They threw him down And when he fell on the floor He did not die So these Jewish leaders encouraged people to go and stone him to death James was known as the, 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 the disciple with the camel knees he was, he was a man of prayer because he was going through a lot. He knew exactly. He was the half-brother of our Lord Jesus. So he knew exactly what going through tough times was. So when he tells them, be patient. He's not just talking out of something. He didn't understand what he was talking about. James, James thought about faith. James was telling them the true faith is demonstrated by what we are, how we live, and what we do with our lives. So James was telling them about that because he was doing it himself. James had learned to be patient. So one of the things that God wants us to do nowadays is that as we're going through life, until He comes, we should be patient. We should be patient. James was writing to them, but not just to them. James was writing to us too. Pay attention because this is your last test from the book of James. Remember, James has been doing test after test of your faith. This is your test of faith. So these are the three things we're going to look at this morning. Uh, we're going to look at this morning that James tells them. Number one, as you wait, uh, despite of everything you're going through, and, and maybe you go through, you are going through some trials. Maybe you are going through some adversities. Maybe you are going through some troubles with people. And James had already has already talked about that. So while that's happening in your life, James says, number one, you got to be patient. And we're going to look, you got to be patient. We're going to look uh, 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 at that from chapter 5, verse 7 through 12. Then he says, you not only have to be patient while you wait for the Lord to come, or you to go with, be with the Lord. You got to do a second thing. You got to learn, and you got to continue to minister to one another. Number one, while the Lord comes, be patient. 
Number two, while the Lord comes, continue to minister to one another. Encourage one another. Love one another. Help one another. Number three, you got to do this too. Pray for one another. And then, number three, while the Lord comes, don't forget, you are called to stay on mission. Number one, be patient. Number two, keep on encouraging one another. That is the life of a Christian. That is the life of a church. The life of a believer, the life of a Christian, the life of the church, it's to be patient while we're going through all this stuff. But while we're going through all this stuff, at the same time, it's our life, it's our call to be encouraging to one another, to be ministering to one another. And number three, we are called to stay on mission. There is one reason why we have been left. You know, once you came to know the Lord, you could have been taken right, right up to heaven at that moment. There, are, there is one reason why you were not taken up to heaven. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. But James basically tells them these three things. He tells them these three different things from verse 7 all the way through verse 20 in chapter 5. And that's how he's going to finalize his letter to the believers that were, persecu- that were being persecuted, that were, being, that, that, that were suffering, that were experiencing a lot of adversities. James tells them there are three things that they must continue to do until the coming of the Lord. So, number one, we're going to focus on one by one. Number one, he tells them, you got to continue to be patient. And that's what we saw in verse 7. Continue, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Patient is a virtue, some said. And the only way you learn patience is learning as you wait on the Lord. You have no other choice. you got to wait on the Lord until the Lord decides to do what you are waiting for. So James is calling them to be patient while they're suffering. Why does God want us to be patient? Why does God want us to be patient? I believe, I strongly believe, God wants us to be patient. He wants us to wait because waiting is a space that God gives you to grow. When God gives you a space for you to wait, God doesn't just give you a waiting period, a waiting time, just because He feels like make you wait just out of nowhere. For no reason. No, God makes you wait because He wants you to grow. And a lot of times we're, we, we ask God for things. We ask God, God, get me out of this situation. God, I don't want this. God, please help me with this. Help me with that. And a lot of times God doesn't seem to... Uh, sometimes we, 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 we might think, God is not even hearing me. God is not listening. No, God is listening. But a lot of times God is not going to get you out of a situation until you grow in what He knows that you need to grow. It's God's way of helping us grow. God is not in a hurry. He was all the time, He has the whole time in the world. In reality, God is greater than time and certainly not limited by time. Throughout the Bible, we see God promising things to different men in the Scriptures. But all of these guys who received promises from God, all of these people who received promises from God, they needed a way for those promises. Why didn't they receive the promises right at the moment? Why is it that we don't go right away to heaven as we give our lives to the Lord? Why is God making us wait? Because God wants us to grow. The reason He didn't give these men and women who He has promised many things in the Scriptures is because God wanted them to grow in the process of receiving the promises. He he wanted them to grow. For example, when He promised Abraham... And Sarah, he promised that uh, they were going to have a, a son, and he was going to be the son that, that he was going to be the one who were all these Jewish people were going to descend from. How long did he make? He, he, how long did Abraham and Sarah wait? Do you guys remember? You scholars of the Bible, come on! Abraham waited at least twenty-five years, and in the process. This is, this, is, this is what God is, it really wants us to understand. This is where you are right now. And that is where God wants you to be in the future. 
That is the best future God has for you. But in between where you are and the future God has for you, there is a process you got to travel. There is a steps you got to go through. And until you go through those steps, and until you get through that, you will not receive what God has promised you. And a lot of times, we want to jump from where we are to what we have been promised. We don't want to wait. We get impatient. And God says, no, be patient. So in the, in the case of the people James was writing to, James is basically telling them, you know what? God has promises for you guys. God will bless you. God will, will give you the promises that He has promised to you. He will give you those things, but you got to be patient until He comes. And that's the part that we don't like to hear. He made Abraham wait 20, almost 25 years. God promised a float, a float to Noah, and the flood, what? How long did he wait? Did he, did he wait? How long was he building the ark before that happened? God made Jacob wait for the woman that he wanted to marry. How many years? No, he waited for seven. Then he got lied to, right? Then he waited another seven. So you guys are right. Fourteen years. And that was the woman he wanted. And Joseph. Joseph had to wait considerably time, a, a, a big amount of time, a long time, uh, because, you know, he went, he was sold by his brothers, then after he was sold by his brothers, then he was put into jail, then he was, he was mistreated, he was, you know, he had a lot of troubles before he saw his family again, and before he was able to sell the Israelites. The Israelites, when they were free from Egypt's um, slavery, they were free after 430 years, and then they went to um, they went to the desert. And they had to wail again a little bit more because they were not ready to receive that promise. You know, Christians have been waiting for over 2,000 years for the com- uh, coming of the Lord, and James is telling them, while you're going through all this stuff that we just that I just wrote to you about, wait and be patient. Wait and be patient. Waiting, waiting is part of God's will in our lives. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Waiting is not an accident. Waiting is a purpose. So God does this on purpose. So we can grow. So why does God want us to be patient? Because waiting is the space that God gives you for you to grow. So, God wants us to be patient because also through patience and waiting, God a lot of times protects us. How many things have God protects you from? Because He asked you to wait. He asked you to wait. I I love what Psalm um, 18 verse 30 says. He says, as for the Lord, as for God, His way is perfect. So God's never late. God's not in your calendar. God is in His perfect time. In everything He has purpose for your life. As for God, His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields. He protects all those who trust in Him. All those who take refuge in Him. He protects them. He chills them. So when you trust in the Lord, in the Lord's timing, He will protect you. He will shield you. He will protect you. Many times we get desperate about obtaining things that we want in our lives. And God is saying, no, it's not the time for you to get what you want yet. I want you to wait. I want you to wait because my time is the perfect time. Whatever it is that we're waiting for, let's not get desperate. Let's pray about it. Let's act on what we have to do. But at the same time, let's wait on the Lord for the results. Later on, James gives an illustration about the farmer. So the farmer does his job, but then the result, he has to wait on the Lord. So when we talk about being patient, we're talking about waiting for the results, for the fruits, for the precious fruits that we are going to experience in our lives. But it's going to be at the time that God wants, not at the time we want. 
Why is it so hard to wait? Why is it so hard to be patient in, on God? Waiting on God is not only difficult sometimes. It seems impossible sometimes. Because we want things to happen according to our plans. That's what Pastor Roy was preaching a couple of weeks ago. But, but the, the, the interesting thing is that God doesn't work according to our calendars. And, and if we expect Him to do, do it the way we want to, that's when we experience disappointments. You, you know why we experience disappointments? Because we're like, you know, I want it the way I want it. How did that song go in the 90s? I want it that way. And we all want it that way. We want it my way. And when it doesn't happen, we experience disappointments. And then when we experience disappointments, we tend to blame God for those things. And it's like, God, you didn't give it to me. God, you didn't do this. I thought you were going to do... We experience disappointments because we are on our calendar, not on God's calendar. God has a greater view of events of life and His point of view, His plans and His timing are perfect. So that's why God wants you to be patient. Because He wants you to grow and He wants to protect you many times as you're going through the process in life. And uh, there's another reason why God wants you to wait. God wants you to wait because in the waiting room that God puts you to wait for His promises to be fulfilled, God wants to mold you. Does anybody here need to be molded? Hmm. I'm sure I'm, I need to be molded way more than you guys. I ask God every morning. When I wake up and I, I tend to sit in my bed, And I'm there in the quietness of my room, just asking God, Lord, today is another day. I thank you for giving me life one more day. But there's a lot of things I need you to mold in me. Help me think the way you think. Help me see the way you see. Help me see the world. Help me see the community. Help me see the church. Help me understand. Because we need to be molded. And when God puts you away, it's because He wants to mold you. He wants to help you. He wants to transform you. And once you are transforming the areas He wants to change you, He wants to transform you, then He's going to give you the promises that He has for you. Not before. Not when you want them. But when He thinks you're ready for it. We are like vessels in the hands of the potter. And God puts us into His workshop. Where we have to wait until God molds us. Are you in God's workshop? Or are you still out there? Because if you're in God's workshop, He is going to... Molding you, it's not an easy thing. It hurts. Isn't that what Jeremiah 18 said? In verse 1 through 6, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house. And there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house. And I saw him working on the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his, in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. So in other words, you know, when God... This is... The Lord talking through Jeremiah to His people, letting them know, you know, you know, I'm the potter, you, you are the clay. And I'm going to put you on the wheel, and I'm going to keep on forming you, and if something goes wrong, something mars, I'm just going to make you a, a, a big bowl of clay all over again, and put you again on the wheel, and form you again, and work in you again, until I get it done the way you want it. That's what he says. No. <laughs> the Bible says until he makes you, inform you into the way he wants you. Now the process requires patience. Requires patience. Because he's shaping you as he's invested 
for Him to do in your life. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, I cannot do this. I cannot do with you. I cannot do with you, Israel, as this potter does. I cannot do it. Of course I can, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands, Israel. In the midst of suffering, this is what James is telling his readers in chapter 5. Therefore, be patient. Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And then he brings an illustration and he sees, See how the farmer waits for his precious fruit of earth? Waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So God wants, you, wants us to be patient. I, I like one thing here between verse 7 and 8, when James uses this illustration to show the life, that everything in life is a process. That's why you got to be patient. Everything in life is a process. So the life that you are living as believers right now, it's a process. So don't get desperate. Don't be impatient. Be patient. And that's what James tells them. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth? Waiting patiently for, until, for it until it receives the early, you know, until it receives the, 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 the early rain. And the later, later on, it, was, uh, it used to rain in, um, it rains in Israel. As a matter of fact, in Israel, they were doing... Rain comes down twice a year for the most part. You plant in the fall, and rain comes down in the season of planting, October and November, and that's the early rain. But then the latter rain uh, comes in March and April before harvest, so you can see how the farmer needed to be patient. So the moment the farmer was planting, I understand. The farmer understands that he's just planting the seed. The planting the seed today, he was, uh, you know, he, he had the big price in mind. So I'm planting the seed today, but I know a few months from now, I know what the result is going to be. I know that I'm thinking about planting the seed right now, but I'm seeing already a harvest. So the farmer had to have a vision. This is where I am. That is where I'm going to be later. But there is a process of waiting in that, in, in that process. There is a waiting time. There is a patient time that I need to be patient. The farmer understands vision. He is only planting the seed today, but he's going to reap the harvest tomorrow. That's vision. And, and let me tell you one thing. God gives you a vision of the future so we can endure the pain of the present. Do we understand that? Do we understand that? God gives you the vision of the future. Here is what I'm going to do with you guys. Here is how I'm going to bless you guys. Here are the rewards of heaven for you guys. So see the vision. So you can endure the present. The distance from where you are to where God wants to take you is patience. That is the distance. In the midst of trials and adversities, God wants you to be patient. Until when? Until He comes. Some of us might get discouraged sometimes because we are not very patient. We are not very patient people. Especially in the, in the culture that we're living in, society that we're living in, in the times that we're living, we are very impatient people. How do you learn patience? How do you learn patience? Do you know that the Bible says how we learn patience? I mean, look at, look at the verses that are coming. Romans chapter 5 verse 3. Romans 5 3 says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. We also glory in tribulations, knowing that the tribulation produces what? So how are you going to become patient? You have to go through tribulations. What, what was happening with the people James was writing to? They were going through tribulations. Now he's telling them, you guys are going through troubles, you guys are going through tribulations, 
that purpose of those tribulations is for you to be patient. So be patient until the coming of the Lord. Not just that, but James chapter 1 verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The testing of your faith. So tribulation produces patience. The testing of your faith produces patience. And a lot of times we ask God, God please give us patience, but don't give us any of these trials. We just, we just want patience like in a magical way. Make me patient. No, if God is going to make you patient, He's going to put you through some stuff where you're going to have to practice patience. And that is called tribulations and testing. Something we don't enjoy. Something we don't like unless we understand there is a purpose behind it. So James tells his readers, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit? And notice in verse 8, he also says, You also be patient. And he tells them, Establish your hearts. So, in other words, we have to establish our heart. We have to convince ourselves. We have to have, we have to make a decision to establish in our heart, I have to be patient. Establishing your heart, for the common is the Lord, it's at hand. Be patient. What is our tendency to do with each other as we get impatient? He says, while you are called to be patient, verse 9, do not grumble against one another. Do you do that when you get impatient with people? Do you go at it? Do you grumble? Yeah, when we get impatient, we do all the contrary that God wants us to do. And so He tells them, while you are called to be patient, to have patience until the day of the Lord, until the Lord comes, do not grumble against one another. It's not a good thing to grumble against one another. Brethren, lest you be uh, condemned. So while you wait, while God is calling you to be patient with one another, not just with one another, but be patient in situations. While you are called to do that, behold the judge, it's a standing at the door. In other words, you do what God has called you to do. Don't be grumbling against one another. You are called to be patient, not just in situations, but also with one another. As a matter of fact, 1 Thessalonians 4.18 says, Comfort one another with these words. Don't grumble, but comfort. We are called to be patient, to comfort one another until the day of the Lord. So James gives two more examples he gives the example of Job and the prophets. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure, who had patience. You have heard of the, pers- the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. That the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, don't swear either by heaven or earth, or by earth, or with any other oath. But let your yes be yes, and you know be no, lest you fall into judgment. Be patient. Don't be trying to take things in your own hands. Don't even swear for anything, because nothing belongs to you. So be patient. The Lord will do what He has to do in His own time. So, number one, James says... I'm going to finish this letter, but I want to make sure you guys understand there are three things you guys got to do. And the first one of those is that you are called to be patient. Number two, the second thing I, you, you, you have to understand that you need to do, that you need to continue to do, is you need to minister to one another. So from verse 13 through verse 18, he tells them you got to pray for one another. You got to do things with one another. You know that there are more than 30 the ones and others in the New Testament? There are, there are more than 30 of them. And we are supposed to do that while we wait for the Lord to come back. We are supposed to love one another. Encourage one another. Put up with one another. Support one another. Pray for one another. Love one another. We are supposed to do all of this one another stuff until the coming of the Lord. 
In other words, in verse 13, he says, pray and worship together. Isn't that what we're doing this morning? Until the day the Lord comes, we are supposed to pray and worship together. It's anyone among you suffering, let him pray. It's anyone cheerful, let him sing psalms. Do this with one another as you wait for the coming of the Lord. We need to pray. We need to minister to the sick while we wait for the Lord. We need to repent if we have sinned while we wait for the Lord. We need to prepare our hearts for when He comes. And so He says in verse 14, It's anyone among you sick, let him call the elders of the church. So while we're waiting for the Lord to come, we are supposed to do these things. We are supposed to pray for one another. We are supposed to, the elders are supposed to care for the church. And let them pray over Him. Let them anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise Him up. And he and if He has committed sins, He will be forgiven. Prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord. While you wait, you do these things with one another. While we wait for the Lord and do these things with one another, ask for forgiveness and be at peace with each other. Be healed. Spiritually and emotionally, healing has to take place. So while we're going through all these troubles, we have to wait patiently. And as we wait patiently, we are to do all this ministry that is talking about right here. Confess your trespasses to one another. If one has a problem with another, talk about it. Confess your trespasses to one another. And pray for one another. In other words, do church life. This is what God has called us to do while we're waiting patiently for the coming of the Lord. He doesn't tell you, wait patiently. And the word patiently that He uses in verse 7, it's not a word that is used that you just don't do anything. You just sit down and wait and wait patiently. No, the word patience there is a word that is connected in the Greek with action. And we went through this in the beginning of James. In other words, as you wait, these are the things you do. I, I see this problem a lot of times with people when they're praying for different things. They say, well, I'm just, I'm just praying. I don't see anything happen, but I'm just praying that the Lord will do this, and they don't do anything about it. No, as you pray, you're supposed to act. As you pray, you're supposed to move. So don't pray and wait for a job to get there to your house as you're just waiting and waiting. No, go look for a job. Right? So you move. It's, it's, you act on it. So he's saying basically, you know what? As you're waiting for the Lord to come back, according to verse 7, these are all the things you guys are supposed to do as a church. As a church, you are supposed to forgive one another. You are supposed to have, make, make sure you have peace with one another. Make sure you have spiritual healing. Make sure you have emotional healing in your hearts. So confess your trespasses. Confess your, you know, your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The effective fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. So James is telling them, use the power of prayer. And you know, James was a man of prayer. He was the disciple with the camel feet, uh, camel knees, I'm sorry. Use the power of prayer. You will see the results. You will see the fruit of your prayer. And he gives another example. He says, remember Elijah? Elijah was a man just like you and me. But he was just like you and me. Just like he had the same nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain in the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heavens gave rain. So he's saying basically, if Elijah did this, being just a common man, just like you and me, we can pray and we will see the power of prayer. So while you patiently wait for the Lord to come back, you're supposed to be loving one another. You're supposed to be asking for forgiveness to one another. You're supposed to be forgiving the ones who have offended you. You're supposed to have spiritual healing. You're supposed to have emotional healing with one another. You're supposed to encourage one another. You're supposed to be praying for one another. The prayer, the prayer has power, he says. 
all this, you are supposed to do it in preparation for the coming of the Lord. Now let me ask you something before we go into the third point. Are you really doing all these things as you wait for the coming of the Lord? How's your emotional healing? How's your spiritual healing? Have you fixed things that you need to fix with other people? Because as, the, as we're waiting for the Lord, the, the Lord is not going to give us what He has promised us until we are ready to receive it. And a lot of times we have so much in our hearts. A lot of times we have so much negativity in our hearts. And God will not give us what He has promised us until we fix these things with the people that we need to fix. And he said, number three, number one, be patient. Everything in life is a process. Be patient from where you are to where God is going to take you. There is a road that is called patience. Number two, minister to one another, love one another, help one another, support one another, pray for one another, love one another. Number three, he said, the last two verses, he says, stay on mission. Remember when I said, why is it that God didn't take us right away? I mean, we, we give our lives to Christ. He could have just said, okay, now you became a believer, Boop, let me take you to heaven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure you don't go through all the troubles. I'm going to make sure you don't go through all the sufferings Christians go through. I'm going to make sure you don't go through all the trials and the sufferings. Why did He leave us here? There are only two things we will not be able to do in heaven, in my opinion. Maybe there's more. If you know of any more, let me know, please. But there's two things that I know we're not going to do in heaven. We're not going to be able to sin. Because we will be like the way He is. Because we will see Him as He is. So we will not sin. But you will not have the privilege of telling a lost soul that Jesus Christ died for their sins. And they have the opportunity to come to the knowledge of God. You will not have the privilege to tell a person, you can enjoy eternal life with me. We will not be able to share the, the gospel with so many lost people that are out there. Once we're in heaven, we will not be able to do that. Do you know that? You, you know what the saddest thing about this is? You know what percentage of Christians have the privilege to lead someone to Christ? 2% of Christians in their lifetime had had the privilege to lead a person to Christ. 2%. That is sad. What kind of Christians are we? And I'm, I cannot apologize for being honest with you. I will not apologize for anything the Word says. Because God has left us on this earth for us to be able to share the gospel with many other people. How many people do you know that have backed away from the, from the faith? I'm sure you know people who left I'm sure you know people who are not believers. When was the last time you tried to tell them something about Christ? When was the last time? A lot of times we're more worried about not offending people. Because the name Jesus will offend people. We're more worried about that than the account we're going to have to give to God for not saying anything. He 
here's the thing. Brethren, number, verse 19 and 20, he tells them, this is the way I'm going to finish my letter, James says. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, do you know anybody who had wandered from the truth? Do you know anybody who has maybe even left this place or any other church or, or your family? They wandered from the truth. They were deceived. And what do we do a lot of times? Oh, we just don't want to, we just don't want to have any problems. God didn't call you not to have any problems. God called you to be a witness. God called you to reach out to these people. And I'm not talking about people who are who, who create divisions in the church because the Bible says those you shouldn't even relate to. I'm telling you about people who innocently get deceived by other people and they leave churches, church after church after church, and we're not doing anything about bringing them back. And James says, bring them back. If someone turns him back, let him know, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from the dead, will save a soul from dead and cover a multitude of sins. How many people do you know that are falling back? How many people do you know that don't know Christ? Are you part of the 2% or are you part of the 98%? Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says, But you are chosen people. Do you know that you are chosen people? Why? Have you asked yourself, why are you chosen people? He says, you are chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are privileged, my friends. You are privileged. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of, for God's own possession to proclaim... What? To proclaim the virtues of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. God has given you the privilege to be a believer so you can proclaim His marvelous things, not to stay quiet. I'm sorry. Not for what I'm saying, but for stepping in some... for touching some nerves, maybe. Because when was the last time you talked to somebody about God? When was the last time you even tried to put this in somebody's door? I love what Janine said last week. She said, you are the one in the middle. Take eight of this and just go around your neighbors. What? How hard is that? How hard is just at least try it? We just don't want to try. We just don't want to bother. We want to get, we want to get home and we want to be relaxed and we want to just do nothing. We're on mission, people. You know, when I, when I, when I first came to the church, I, I, to, I told the people that were doing the interviews, I said, this is probably my last run and I want to run it with successful. I want to be successful for God. I want to run this. I want to run this. I want to try to reach as much people because this might be my last one. I don't know when my last one is going to be, but it might be. But I want to I live every day like if it's my last day on this earth, am I going to have the privilege to bring somebody else to Christ? That's what James is telling me. James is telling me to make sure, that to try to bring the sinner back. To try to bring the sinner into relationship with God. And those who fall away, don't forget them. Go look for them. Because I'm supposed to proclaim the virtues of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once we were not people of God, but now we are people of God. Let's live like people of God. Let's act like people of God. Let's act like people who have received mercy. And share with others that God wants to have mercy with them too. You know, we are responsible if we don't share the gospel. We are responsible. And you might be thinking, what, what do you mean by that? Look at Ezekiel. We have a verse on, on the screen. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 18. This is God telling His people in the Old Testament. When I say, when I say to a wicked person, 
you will surely die. These are the words of God. And He tells them, when I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them. You, my people, you are my royal priesthood, you are my people who are supposed to talk about my virtues and the marvelous things that I have done in your life. If you don't warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways, in order to save their life, the wicked person will die for their sins and I will hold you accountable for their blood. Did you know that? Did you know that God is going to hold us accountable for their blood? Because we had the opportunity to reach out and we didn't. We had the opportunity to talk to them about the hope that we have in God and we choose not to and do you know that we are going to be held accountable do you remember the story Spurgeon talks about the unfaithful I don't think I ever told you that story but Spurgeon told a story about this guy who used to walk through all these houses every day as he went to church back in the old days you had church every day right seven days a week you were go to you would you would go to church we got lazy now we just come maybe once or twice and that's too much already right but in the old days church was every day in the old days sermons were not an hour 45 minutes and the less you do the better for people they, they, more people get to church let me tell you that but my sermons now, I'm, I'm trying to cut them down a little bit, but it's impossible when you, hear, you see these verses. But as this guy was going every day to church, with his big Bible under his arm, he would walk and pass by, people, by this house, and this guy would always stand at the door, just looking at this guy passing by, pass by, pass by, every day, every day. And one day he finally said, Hey, sir, excuse me, sir, w- w- can I ask you a question? And he said, Yeah, sure, you can ask me a question. Do you believe in that book that you're carrying under your arm? Of course I do. I'm a saved sinner. From, by the grace of God, I've been saved. Hallelujah, right? And he goes, So if you believe that, that means you believe that if somebody gives their lives to Christ, they will go to heaven, right? Yes, I do. And you also believe that if, if, if I don't repent and I don't give my life to the Lord, then I will go to hell. Do you believe that? Yes, I do. And he said, You must be the most miserable man. Because you pass by And you see me here every day and you never warn me of the judgment that will come to me. You never warn me. So James says three things. As you wait for the Lord, be patient as you go through different trials and adversities. Be patient because there is a process from where you are to where God is going to take you. But don't just be patient. James says also, stay ministering to one another. Do all the one another's. Love one another. Help one another through this process. Life is hard as it is. Let's not make it harder for ourselves. Let's make it easier for ourselves. Let's help one another. Let's not grumble about one another. Let's love one another. And let's encourage one another. And as you wait for the Lord, stay on mission. Think about a person or two that you can reach out. Think about a person or two that you can pray for. And start asking the Holy Spirit to touch their hearts. For the promise is for you and your children, the Lord says. It's your job to share the gospel. It's not your job to convert people. That is God's job. That is God's job. That is God's job to do. You plant the seed 
Some other people will water it, but the growth will only come from the Lord. In Acts 2.39 it says, For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call to Himself. God will call whom He will call. But it's my job to keep on talking to people about Christ. It's our responsibility not to give up as we wait for the coming of the Lord. This is the message James has given us for the last 18 weeks. Remember what James says. Don't just be a hearer, be a doer. If you're not a doer, James said, you are deceiving yourselves. My desire, church, is that our church will be a church that is a doer. Not just out of emotion. Oh, pastor just talked about that in the in the sermon. He just talked about evangelism. Let's do evangelism. We'll do it for two weeks. We run like horses, but then we stop all of a sudden, right? Now let's keep on doing this. This is, by the way, these three things. We are called for these three things to be our lifestyle. Be patient. Minister to one another. It should be a lifestyle. To be on mission, reaching people for God, should be a lifestyle, not a one moment thing. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much. We praise you. We thank you. We love you. Lord, thank you for allowing us to go through this amazing beautiful book of James and, and as we get ready we're already in November Lord and as we get ready to uh, move into Thanksgiving help us to be people that are really thankful and that our thankfulness comes with actions not just with words and that our actions are actions of patience that our actions are actions to minister to one another. That our actions are actions to reach out to those who have fallen away. To reach out to those who have never known you. Never heard from you. Who have ignored you. Lord, put in our hearts and our minds people that we know that maybe they fell away. Maybe they're not going to churches. Or people that have never given their lives to you. Help us to be faithful while we wait for your coming. Help us to be faithful, Lord. Help us to apply what James has taught us to do. He has been teaching us so many great, practical, amazing things. So we just pray, Father, that we will be able to apply these things and glorify your name by doing so. We pray, Father, that as we walk out of those doors, we use every tool that He has been given to us because we will be accountable for what we tell other people about you. We are responsible. To live a life that will glorify your name and that will reach other people so they can have a relationship with you. Let us do this, Lord. Help us. In your name we pray. Amen.